Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm Brendan Sinone, your host for today's episode. It's a very serious episode. We're not going to laugh or have any fun. Zachary, welcome to On the Bench. Uh, hopefully you're doing well. Salutations. Thank you, sir. No laughing allowed. No, we're not going to have any fun. This is going to be a strictly informative FSU football podcast. Um, yeah. It sounds yeah. so monotone, but I like it. Yeah, I think most people do. This is what they want in a podcast. So this is what we're going to do from here on out. We're not going to have any shenanigans or fun. Sounds good. I bet you think it sounds good. Let's get into so, it. Let's start off, exactly, Zachary, you read my mind. Let's start off with Keldrick Falk. That's the big news of the week. Uh, we weren't able to do a traditional podcast because everyone was traveling, vacations and uh, whatnot, but Dana and I drove up to Highland Home, Alabama to cover the four-star defensive ends recruitment and his eventual commitment to Florida State. A, a big-time win on the recruiting trail for the Seminoles, correct, Zachary? Correct. It was a huge win uh, for Mike Norvell, his staff. Um, give credit to Austin Tucker, off-field analyst, um, kind of carried that recruitment for FSU early on, um, was kind of talking to Keldrick pretty much every week during you know COVID uh, when things were virtual. And then once things kind of heated up, um, Keldrick was able to take visits. He took three to Florida State um, before making that decision. Um, John Papuchis was, was huge down the stretch for FSU. Um, he mentioned uh, to you and Dane that, that he really related to him. Uh, in, in their final conversations, I think you mentioned that he had one of the one of his final conversations that Sunday night um, with the FSU staff, which included Coach Norvell and Papuchis, um, and that's kind of what you know won, won it over. He made that decision Monday, and then announced uh, his commitment publicly on Tuesday. Before we get any further into this episode, I just want to uh, clarify that Zachary is driving to see his family right now. He's currently on vacation. So Zach, thank you for taking time out of your, of your day to be on this podcast. Uh, just to clarify, that's why there's some, some background noise. He is, he is in his car, but we wanted to get this podcast out because there's not really a great time this weekend for any of us to, to record. So uh, enjoy your free content. Sorry if the audio isn't exactly what, what it would normally be the high standards that we have here at on the bench uh, back to being serious. Uh, the Keldrick fault commitment, Zach, uh, that you mentioned it being on Sunday, and that seems like that was indeed a uh, a pivotal day in that recruitment. But what was interesting to me is no one around him, other than his brother, knew what he was going to do uh, as of the day before. So as of Monday evening, didn't know. And then just all the coaches we spoke with and people around the school, like no one knew what he was going to do on Tuesday. Uh, they thought that that Sunday conversation with Mike Norvell and John Papuches closely aligned with. Keldrick Falk making his decision and he made his decision on Sunday evening as well. So uh, the basketball coach there, uh, Johnny Mitchell was actually like, he was wearing a Florida state uh, bracelet uh, around his, around his wrist. So I thought that was interesting that he really liked this coaching staff and thought that was a good omen for Florida state, but 
Uh, they were legitimately surprised by it. Uh, how did you find out it was going to be Florida State? And uh, maybe you could paint the picture, I guess, Zach, of what exactly the the final couple of hours of us trying to figure out what the recruitment was going to be uh, ended up being like. Yeah, so um, Keldrick and I were in communication uh, the days prior to his announcement, um, just kind of uh, making sure that, that he hadn't made that decision because he, he was honest with me throughout and that he was still kind of in that decision-making mode up to his announcement. Um, but the day of, uh, I, I gave him a call in the morning, um, and he basically let me know that it was, he said it would probably be Florida State. Um, so I had a pretty good idea that, that it was going to be FSU. Um, we had quotes ready to go um, on a story I'm sure you guys saw on those 24-7. Um, but yeah, that, that's how it kind of found, found out. But truly, um, the FSU coaching staff, to my knowledge, did not find out until they got word um, on a FaceTime call during the actual announcement. I think it was one of his family members. You can probably pro provide some more info on that, but one of his family members uh, was kind of FaceTiming Norvell during the actual announcement. So um, it was really last minute, and that's not really a thing we see with modern uh, announcements anymore. I mean, I, I think that's kind of a kind of an old school kind of way of doing things. Um, but yeah, that, I guess that's how Falk wanted, wanted his decision made. It was indeed a good old-fashioned recruitment in that sense. It was kind of fun to cover, a little anxiety-provoking just because of the time commitment that we had made to uh, driving up there and the resources. You know, uh, 24-7 allow us to get a rental car and a hotel because of uh, another commitment uh, that we'll get into in a minute uh, in Montgomery the following day. But it was uh, it was fun in that sense that Florida State did not have a great idea of what was going to happen. People in the town didn't have a great idea what was going to happen. Keldrick knew, and not too many other. I imagine maybe like four or five people probably legitimately knew going into that day. I uh, want to give a shout out to Coach John Papuchas, Coach JP. You mentioned him, Zach, but he's he's won some really important recruiting battles in the last year or so. I mean, he was key with Jared Verse as well. Um, so, yeah, John Papuchas has continued to prove to be a, a pretty – competent and one of the better recruiters on this coaching staff. Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually wrote that in a, in a piece that I wrote this week on those four seven, basically five things that we've learned um, about FSU recruiting this summer. One of them was that John Papuchas is, is quietly an impressive recruiter for FSU. Um, you mentioned Jared Verse. He also helped land Lamont Green. Um, obviously, there was a legacy tie there, but um, he's maintained that relationship and, and kept him in the class of four-star edge prospect. 2023 and uh, then obviously Keldrick Falk I mean they slide out beat Auburn Clemson and Florida for him all three school three of those schools really wanted Falk badly they all host them on officials but FSU is the one that wins out and in large part to Papuchas's efforts down the stretch. Ayobami Tafasi as well he's a defensive tackle but someone who is in uh, JP's recruiting footprint uh, too so uh, and, and one last thing too on Falk well two things one I would say is that he uh, let's talk about him just as a player real quick before we put a bow on the recruitment. Uh, he is ranked as, uh, let's see, 24-7 has him 112th nationally, but in the 24-7 sports composite, he's 84th nationally. So either way you cut it, I mean, he's a, he's a legit four-star prospect. Uh, at least one recruiting service clearly has him as a really high prospect for him to get that bump from 112 to 84. Uh, but just in your estimation, Zach, what is he going to bring to Florida State's defense and in the immediate and uh, in far in future too, like what's his upside? What does he bring right away? Yeah, I mean, viewing his tape, um, he's extremely athletic. 
Woods uh, for Highland Home. Obviously a really small school, um, but they have him playing wide out because he could move so well. Um, there's multiple clips on, on his highlight tape where he's just making impressive plays on offense as well. So I think that stands out. I think he can be a guy that can probably help contribute early. Obviously, they built up uh, and room over the past few years. Um, so it's it's not as worrisome as, as it was when Norvell first got here. Um, but I think I think Falk adds an immense talent to that room, someone that they that John Pucuchus and the rest of that you know, defensive staff can kind of mold um, in, into a possible future Jermaine Johnson. That's what they that's what they mentioned to him uh, on the official visit is that, you know, that player comp. Obviously, they're not identical, uh, but they kind of have the same, you know, frame and structure. So um, that's obviously what FSU would want to get out of him, that kind of production. And um, I guess that that's to be seen. What, what do you think of this game? Well, you know, if I was trying to have fun on this podcast, which I'm not, I would have dropped in with the Jermaine O'Neal reference instead of Jermaine Johnson, but that's not what we're doing here today, Zachary. This is a very buttoned-up professional. I mean, I legitimately have put uh, pomade in my hair. I got a collared shirt on. Like, I'm taking this very seriously. And what I would say to you is that your description of his game is very apt, in my opinion. I see a lot of similarities. Yeah, you're welcome. Absolutely, Zach. Uh, you nailed it. Uh Jermaine Johnson to me is a really good comp because of a few reasons. The length, I think both are about six foot five. Uh, the lateral uh, mobility, uh, agility. We're not talking about super twitchy, um, you know, cut back and forth type of guys. We're not like this Brian Burns type of defensive end. Uh, but there's a good burst off the ball at times for sure for Keldrick Falk and something that Jermaine Johnson did at a very high level was defend the rung with his, his arm length, with his ability to really accelerate into space uh, and defend the sideline and stretch plays you know, to the perimeter. And we saw that with his athletic testing at the NFL scouting combine. And with Keldrick Falk, you see that certainly on his highlights that he is someone who, who can really open up and hit another gear of speed uh, once he gets going and the ability to kind of play under control laterally. I mean, talking to his high school basketball coach, he's someone who they think would have been a, Division one basketball prospect if he dedicated an entire full season or seasons uh, to to play hoops as well. I mean, he's really, really talented, like 2015 average type of guy uh, on the hardwood, which points to his athleticism. So someone who I think can help out early on in his career, just based on him being pretty buttoned up and mature, still has a little bit of room to grow physically, but he's 6'5", 240. It's a really good starting spot for you. Uh, but I think ultimately his upside is going to be as a really – high-end edge defender with some pass rush juice as well. So a, a big-time commitment for Florida State. I'm not quite as high on him as uh, some other outlets are, and even I think we have him ranked fairly high at 24-7 sports on the high end at 112, but but I think he's legit like a top 150 prospect. It's someone the staff should be really excited about. It's a big-time win for JP. Uh, the last thing, just to kind of shine a light, and I want to get into the weeds here, Zachary, on the recruitment for him, and then the next guy we're going to talk about as well as Avery Stewart. Uh, and just some of the behind-the-scenes aspects of covering uh, the recruitments. When we were driving up, and Dane and I driving up, and you're you know, feeding us information on different people you were talking to within the network, uh, it was super interesting that no one knew, but Florida State was the name that kind of kept popping up from our other team sites. Yeah. Um, we were checking in with insiders at UF, Clemson, and Auburn, um, night before and the morning of um and, and like you said it, most of those most of those one of the schools involved 
And then there was probably another school that they mentioned. Um, but yeah, FSU was the consistent one. Um, we can kind of get into, it's kind of a similar thing of what's going on with Lucas Simmons right now, the guy that's announcing next week. We, we can get into him later. Um, but yeah, I guess that was kind of a telling thing going into the decision that um, we kind of felt good about Florida State's chances. We weren't sure, obviously, until I got that phone call. Um, but man, it, yeah, it, like you said, like we we kept checking in, and FSU was the consistent team that kept getting brought up. Dane thoroughly enjoyed his trip to Alabama, but I think that his favorite part of the day was the phone call because he saw me do a big fist pump and we gave each other a big high five just to know that our time was going to be well spent at that point. And so that was, you brought a smile to Dane's face. Uh, God bless Dane Draper. I'm glad I did. Thank you, Zach. So let's move to another recruitment that also had some interesting twists and turns. And uh, Dane and I stayed in Montgomery area over the evening, one to put out some of the content that we had built up from the Keldrick Falk commitment, but then also there was a commitment the next day from Montgomery prospect Avery Stewart. And we had word that it was between Florida State and Kentucky. And uh, I think you can describe this recruitment far better than I can, Zach. So I will throw this to you to kind of outline what what stood out about this recruitment. Again, one with, with certainly a, a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, I mean, so to put this in perspective, I called Avery Stewart um, – I think it was the Tuesday or Wednesday after his June 24th to June 26th official visit to Florida State, his final official visit before making his decision. Um, so I, I called him a few days after that to just kind of um, see if he had made his decision. Um, and he told me he did. Um, uh, we got, I got a pre-write on him committing to Florida State. He told me that he had committed to the staff uh, the Monday after his visit. Um, have a bunch of quotes on that. I mean, it's literally in our admin. Um, a pre-write with quotes, uh, yeah, it's very different than just a pre-write. It's not an expectation. It is, yeah. at that point, then just uh, almost an assurance 99% of the time. Yeah. So then um, kind of, I think it was like two days later on that Friday. Um, so I guess I, I talked to him on Wednesday. Then on that Friday, I got a message from him basically saying, oh, I need to rethink my decision. Um, I'll get back to you on July 5th. So it would be what about that, uh, Tuesday. I didn't really think much of it, that message, because I'm like, okay, this guy's probably trying to create some suspense for his recruitment. He had gotten some crystal balls to Florida State at that time. But I guess, like, he was being truthful, man. Like, I, I guess that's kind of when the Kentucky buzz started to, to grow. Um, you know, I won't get too much into it, but yes, I believe, and I think we as collectively believe, NIL was involved um, to some extent. I'm not going to say that's the reason why he went either way, um, but I'm comfortable reporting and, and saying on record that, that NIL was involved um, in his decision. Um, but Kentucky went out. Uh, they, they landed his commitment on that Wednesday um, and, and beat out FSU for a, a four-star defensive back. The element of NIL is going to be increasingly interesting to monitor through this recruiting cycle because the market keeps resetting it's so early on in that process it does keep evolving and changing uh so that's something that we're going to when i talk about the market i'm talking about the price point uh that there and i'm sorry i'm a little distracted because zach is looks like he's about to exit the car so i'm just trying to monitor what my partner's doing it's okay, it's okay. back to being very serious and buttoned up and professional uh so with with the nil aspect that I, we're referring to like avery stewart is an example of 
unless you are in the 99th percentile of the athletic programs that can name a player's price almost exclusively for, of course, uh, not inducements to play at a school, but if you were to go to a school, what what opportunities you would have is what we're discussing here because you can't technically uh, induce players to, to play for you. Uh, you have to make decisions and you have to make decisions on uh, where players are on your board, what your roster composition looks like. Uh, you got to see what your return on investment will look like. And that's something that you, I'm imagining that collectives and programs across the country are going to have to weigh consistently. But with that in mind, the market continues to shift and to change. We've seen some of the prices that have been associated with blue chip quarterbacks. That's pretty astronomical uh, compared to you know, what, what you would have thought maybe even just months ago. And for a while, it seemed like it was going to stay steady for what the market was going to dictate for other position groups. But even that seems act to be to be changing a little bit. So if you're a collective that doesn't have uh, trying to not I don't want I do not want a press conference to be called and someone call me slice bread 2.0. So I'm trying to be careful of, of who what am I accusing anyone out here of, even though it's all technically legal if you're doing it the right way. Uh Basically, I don't think that if you're a collective like a Florida State's, uh, you have to be careful of how you're allocating your your funds uh, with NIL opportunities when a player gets to campus. And and that's the, maybe the best way I can I can lay it out if that all makes sense with me trying to dance around things. I agree. I think your sliced bread comment was a little bit too funny for this podcast, but mm. um, I agree. agree. With you a bit. Back, you know, let me put my glasses back on and, and be more serious again. Fix my collar here. Okay, here's okay. So, uh, Florida State does not get Avery Stewart. You know, a player who I thought he plays at a small school level at Alabama, uh, but had a good deal of athleticism. His change of direction skills, pretty excellent. Uh, somebody I think projects very well as a safety at the college level, but ultimately a top 200 prospect, someone that would have been nice to have in this class for sure. I don't want to undercut that. Uh, but you've recruited pretty well at defensive back last year. This cycle seems a little bit more thin on the DB board. I guess what is next for defensive back in your estimation, Zach, right now? Well, they have uh, one committed in Quindarius Jones. Um, he worked out at the elite camp. They offered him and committed a, a week later. Um, there's a few other targets. Uh, Pensacola Catholic DB Jabril Rawls is, a, is another Um I think he'll probably visit at the end of the month. Um, there's a few others. Kenton Kirkland out of the Jacksonville area, a guy they like a decent bit. Um, I think he's a guy that they, they could turn the heat up with. There's a few other other guys on the board. Um, but like you said, it, it, it isn't as impressive as last year, to be honest. Um, a guy they obviously really like is Makari Vickers, but I don't I don't see that recruitment going in their, their direction. I think he's probably headed to – Alabama or, or Oklahoma or something like that. Um, well, we'll see if they, they can get him back on campus uh, later in July. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know if, of any guys that you know come to mind that are that are uh, you know four star blue chip guys that that they're really in on. So it's a little bit worrisome. Um, but you know I, I I think Marcus Woodson's a pretty you know good recruiter, um, one of the better ones on the staff. So we'll see where he turns next. I think obviously they wanted they wanted Avery Stewart in the class, but um, they'll have to find find some other options to fill out that board going forward. And even without 
I do apologize ahead of time for bringing up his name, but even without Travis Hunter in the fold last year, you still had Sam McCall and Azariah Thomas. So that's a, a really nice nucleus uh, at cornerback for the foreseeable future. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm saying that because I don't think you have to necessarily reach a ton right now. You kind of wait and see how the board unfolds. I don't think you have to panic now because Avery Stewart is off the ball, uh, off the board. Excuse me. That was not very professional of me to stutter over my words. Let's, I know. Let's move on to Lucas Simmons. He is someone who is extremely high on Florida State's board. He's a top 150 prospect nationally, a prototypical left tackle from a length and size perspective, uh, someone who is raw uh, and best football is thought to be ahead of him, a little bit of a developmental prospect. But this is someone that Florida State, if the Seminoles end up getting a commitment from him, uh, they'd be beating out some really impressive programs, both regionally and nationally, for his services. So Lucas Simmons will announce his decision on CBS Sports Live Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Florida State is a finalist. Florida is a finalist. Tennessee is a finalist. And USC is a finalist. Uh, he has officially visited all those schools. The last one was June 24th to FSU, which seems like a pretty decent omen. Uh, but not necessarily a tell-all. Uh, as we discuss this podcast here, as we record it on Friday afternoon, I'm not sure when it will air, but being transparent, we feel that Florida State's in a decent spot. Zach, I will throw this to you. Uh, what are you hearing about his recruitment right now? Are you going to put a crystal ball in for the Seminoles, or have you decided that crystal balls are something that you don't want to... Uh, I was going to make a joke, but I'm being very professional right now. Or crystal ball is something that you do not want to partake in moving forward. Crystal balls are not something I would like to personally partake in for the time being. Um, no, but I think um, I'll wait on that for a little bit um, unless I hear some definitive intel. Based on checking with you know people around the 24-7 sports network, I don't believe as of yesterday, um, Thursday, that Simmons had come to a decision yet. Um, we as a site plan to check with him personally and obviously with, with our sources um, – close to him and, and our, you know, at FSU as well, just about uh, where things stand heading into the weekend. Obviously, I, I believe that he'll make a decision either on, on Saturday or Sunday and have that finalized before the Monday announcement. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think FSU sits in a good spot. Um, in, in my opinion, you know, I agree with you. I think this is another case, like, like I mentioned earlier, um, with Falk. I, I asked the UF insiders and it's um, UF and FSU and USC are the finalists, according to them. Um, Tennessee thinks it's FSU and Tennessee. And then USC felt good about a week ago. Um, so I'm not, you know, sure where things stand. I Talking to people around this program, I think they think they're in a good spot, but they don't know for sure. Um, I was talking to someone that, that I speak to regularly that I think is pretty tuned into things, and, and they think this is a truly a four-team race and that any of these schools could land them. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, what unfolds over the weekend, um, but we'll definitely have full coverage uh, heading into Monday. That was very professionally put, Zachary. Nicely done. Yes, absolutely, of course. I'm looking at – I can't help myself. I have to talk about this. Why would, why would Alcorn State offer him in May? I don't know. Maybe they thought they could make a late run. Um, you know, you never, never doubt Alcorn State. 
Never. Is that the home of Steve McNair? I'm not entirely sure. Where did Steve McNair go? I have no clue. Anyways, the podcast is derailing. I could only be professional for a legitimate uh, 25 minutes, not even. So I tried. It was a good. It was a good run. You did great. Uh, thank you. He did not go to Alcorn State. He went to. Oh no, he did go to Alcorn State. Wow, I'm so smart. <laughs> Let's wrap up this podcast with a little bit of a preview for next week. So Monday we'll have a Lucas Simmons announcement. Monday afternoon is extremely busy for me. I think Zach is getting his wisdom teeth out. Um, yep. Very wise. Young Zachary is going to be a little bit less wise. I'm not sure what Chris knee, where his travels are taking him. So I feel like there will be an instant reaction podcast that is warranted. If Lucas Simmons commits to Florida state, uh, it's just going to be difficult to actually make it instant, but we will figure it out. We will have some sort of content for Lucas Simmons on Monday evening. If he does pick the Seminoles. Also, later this week, we have some fun things planned on the podcast with Trey Rowland. I will let Trey be the ambassador of fun. I will not have fun anymore. And with that in mind, I want to <sighs> workshop something right now with our audience and with Zach, something that Zach and I have talked about. I've spoke with Trey. Uh, we're going to have to talk about it with some people uh, higher up than us that make decisions. But I think what we would like to do is create a separate feed or just a clear demarcation on the current on the bench feed for podcasts that will be essentially as i see it the playground for trey roland and uh, as well as us uh, but something that won't be disruptive to your on the bench listening experience it's something that we were talking about before uh this past week's episode that was quite polarizing some people loved it some people absolutely hated it i understand it was an abrupt change we are still going to play around and have fun. And uh, more importantly, I think take creative hacks and try to do things a little differently. That's distinguished us over the years. It's something that we will continue to do, especially with the talent that we've brought on uh, to the Knowles 24-7 network with Trey, with with Brett and his baseball knowledge, and of course the X's and Knowles guys as well uh, to what we already have with, with Zach, Dane, and, and Chris and myself. So Zach, what are your thoughts? What do we want to do with this uh, in the coming week or weeks with with some of the different content ideas and the way we're going to, I guess, package content for the podcast. Yeah. I, I think uh, doing either of the things you mentioned, it, it would be nice. Um, just to, you know, people are used to the, the normal on the bench, uh, informative, super serious podcast with no jokes, no laughing, no fun. Um, I get that. Um, but we, we also want to be creative. Um, you know, we didn't add all this new talent uh, for you guys for no reason. Um, we want to, create some new content, some new creative content. Um, so I think it, it'll be good to kind of um, differentiate it, um, at least by the name, um, whether that's a new feed or just the name on this feed. Um, but yeah, after talking to some some higher ups to get the okay, uh, I think we'll, we'll go ahead with that. And I think it'll be good for everyone um, as, as we kind of venture into a new era of Null 24-7. But I will emphasize that we will still have the baseline on the bench crew that is the nucleus traditionally of zach chris and myself uh r.i.p josh yep did you like the travel podcast i did um but i understand it's not for everyone um people didn't want to hear about dane's smelly feet so i get it Um, bro those were brutal he legitimately had to go wash them when we got back to the hotel yeah i can't imagine that's why i was i asked you how how could you stand being in a car with him for more than two hours 
We kept the shoes on. It was only when the shoes came off that it was problematic. And something that we learned about uh, Prattville, where we ended up staying, just north of Montgomery, Prattville or Prattville, it kept smelling really bad there. And we weren't entirely sure, like, why. At one point, Zach, or Zach, we were, Dane and I were accusing each other of, like, thinking that someone urinated in the room. And it was like, we, it was like, it was like a standoff trying to figure out, like, why does it smell like pee in this room right now? Turns out there's a paper mill in, in Prattville, and that creates, like, a really, if you've ever driven through, like, sorry if anyone lives in the Perry area, but when that paper mill or whatever the mill is, is going it could be quite offensive. Same thing with Brunswick. Sorry, anyone who's from Brunswick, listen to this. Mills can be stinky sometimes. So that was what we were fighting. But it was at an extra element of Dane's feet. And I was like, did Dane also piss himself too? I wouldn't put it past him. Wouldn't piss it past him. All right, back to being professional. For On the Bench, I'm Brendan Sinone, joined by my colleague, Zach Lawstein. Thank you for listening to this very serious podcast. We will not have fun later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.